Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm the host, Eric Acker, with Karen. Hey, guys. So we are um, we we're recording a day late, um, so it's going to be published. Uh, this is going to be out on Thursday, where uh, we are recording on a Wednesday. Um, but Karen had a much-needed goals night. Last night, yes, I did. <laughs> and I, I was in charge of the baby. And the baby t- tends to demand a lot more attention. And once I had kind of had soothed her down to sleep, I just needed to... Uh, Relax myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny how you get screamed at by a tiny little infant for like a good solid five minutes and it's just like how unnerving that is <laughs> and I know Karen deals with this like every day like all the time but this is a little unnerving when this little tiny half pint kid is just like screaming at you and it's like I don't know what you want I'm gonna try something different I'm gonna try another thing different like what is what's gonna work for you and eventually she shuts up and it's like oh it's a, that was like five ten minutes that like in which you know the grand scheme of things is not a long time but like you you count out five minutes of just listening, you know, having someone like face to face with you screaming. Like it feels like an eternity. <laughs> she did pretty good tonight. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is not first kid, so I, I really shouldn't have shocked me. That it didn't shock me, but it was definitely like oh, it's a little emotionally taxing. Eric, Eric didn't like my uh, well, the science behind putting a baby to sleep. Science. <laughs> sure, sure. It was a it was an article. They tested it. <laughs> sure. Um, haven't seen the citations on this, but <laughs> it works. She hasn't been able to find the article either. After after signing said article, she has yet to be able to produce said article. I didn't know I was supposed to. <laughs> I'll find the article <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so this week, I wanted to, I guess, talk a little, you know, kind of catch us up on what's been going on. Um, there has been, I guess, a, a few goings-ons. Uh, one that one, we're just not talking about, and this is uh, you're, you're going to sense a trend in our our match <laughs> match cycle uh, mentality, which I I didn't really think about last year. So last year I was interviewing like Matthew Barbo, Seth Elu, and a few other people, um, and I. Usually after those interviews, I was always like, huh, they never really, like, named names or said, you know, said anything. Like, they never talked about their rank orders or anything like that. And now that I'm going through the cycle, I have the same amount of paranoia that that makes me feel like I don't want to say anything about those things. And I I just want to keep everything close to the cards, close to the chest. So we will talk more about a lot of what's been going on the last few weeks after we match, uh, hopefully match, you know, after that match week, then we will talk more, I think, more candidly about the pro- uh, all the processes. Uh, maybe not necessarily name names in some cases, but at least be more candid about certain processes um, and piece things together. But there has been one one thing that we've been <laughs> uh, stewing on for the last uh, 
nine weeks. Uh, eight, nine weeks or so. Um, it's the first one on our list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Karen's looking at me like, what? What What have we been stewing on for nine weeks? <laughs> um, that finally kind of resolved, and I have been hesitating to talk about it just because it's, um, I personally find it a little embarrassing and frustrating. And until I, had, until I either had a resolution one way or another, I didn't really know if I was going to talk about this. So... We are bringing back the OET. (laughs) (laughs) We had talked about the OET weeks and weeks and weeks ago, how I drove all the way to Tampa Bay and took this test, and then I drove back, and I had made a mistake with the speaking portion by not bringing my passport and had to reschedule it. And I forgot about rescheduling. That did cost me some money, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to reschedule it because I didn't have my passport. And so I did get my passport, and I took it. And that was, wow, like, first week in December. So, like, December 3rd. And the week of Christmas, I think it was, like, the 20th, which... This is a terrible Christmas gift. <laughs> I got my results. And this is where it's like, I think it gets a little embarrassing because like this is this English speaking, reading, writing, listening test. Um, I don't speak any other language besides English. And I was shocked to find that they thought that I was not as proficient in writing, in writing as uh, I would have thought. I'm actually a relatively decent writer. I do make occasional grammatical errors and spelling errors, but uh, all in all, I'm not the worst writer I've seen. <laughs> and certainly, worst ones have gone before me and gotten glowing or passing marks on the writing portion. But you have to realize, so the writing portion is only like, what, 200 characters? It's supposedly 200 characters long is what they want you to try to keep it between 180 to 200 characters uh, on a referral note of some kind that they get. So it's quite short. And then this test is also based out of Australia. Australia. Yes. Um, But, like, he barely didn't get the score that he needed. And so then came the... Panic. <laughs> the panic. And do do we pay for the remark? Is it worth paying for a remark? Do we retake it? What do we do? Because we have to have this done before Matt, before what date? Uh, well, so let me rewind a little bit. We, the date is anyway is March 1st. Okay. Um, so rewinding a little bit. Remark. Uh, for everyone who hasn't had the pleasure yet of doing OET and knowing all this stuff, uh, remark is just like when you take step one or step two, you can ask them to regrade your exam. Uh, I have never heard of a situation where someone has remarked step one or step two and gotten any bit of a significant change in their grade. Um, I mean, standardized tests are standardized tests for a reason, right? And multiple choice generally is one right answer, not multiple. So, <laughs> I, um, but OET is not like this and I would even argue and um, I, I for fear I mean I'm just going to go straight out and say it is not a standardized test it is not in my opinion very objective uh, the, I mean obviously the reading 
and the listening portions of the test are relatively uh, standardized or objective. There's only like one right answer because they, they're asking you what word did they say <laughs> and you just have to type down the word. So uh, if you pay attention, you should be fine. And if you can read and comprehend, you should be able to answer some of these questions just fine, no problem. It's pretty objective. But then you get to the speaking portion and the writing portion. And those are, in my opinion, less objective, more, more or less subjective. They certainly have quote-unquote rubrics that they follow, but um, I based most of my opinion uh, also, uh, largely based off of uh, my annoyance of being slighted, but also <laughs> in part also uh, due to uh, the Reddit forums where people do talk about the OET and their grades and when they do remarks and how much their grades drastically change based off of who is reviewing their exam. And one person or supposedly according to the OET, two people separately will look at your exam and mark it up. And then they take the average of the two, and that's what you got. And if that's true, I missed the mark by, like, I was, like, 280. So it's like someone must have thought I was a knuckle-dragger, while the other person probably thought I was okay. <laughs> so that's, like, wildly different. And then, of course, the remark. Um, a lot of people on Reddit would talk about doing remarks and getting, like, 60-point jumps because someone else would then review the exam, and then whatever they decided it was is what you got. And, like, 60-point jumps is a huge, like, these are, uh, I think the highest you can get is a 500. A uh, passing score for writing is 300. Everything else is, like, 350 or something like that. Um, so when writing and speaking can jump all over the place based off of who is reviewing, to me that tells me it's not very subjective. I mean, not very objective. It's a very subjective thing is however the reviewer is feeling that day. Uh, you know, which review you get. You know, oh, did he say it the way I would have said it? Um, also, like Karen said, it's 200 characters. You're writing the referral letter based on 200 characters. Like, clearly, I mean, are you able to assess someone's ability to write English in 200 characters on a topic that's supposedly, quote-unquote, medical, but not really evaluating your medical ability, but also evaluating your ability to convey medical information. So <laughs> I, I, I have a, a lot of opinions, but uh, one of the things I, I, I was watching one of the videos of, you know, prep, prepping to reset this exam, and one of the videos going over how to go through these um, Vignettes or this this setup for um, a referral letter, and this person's like, oh, and all of our stuff has been vetted by a doctor, and then they're, as they're talking about this case, she's like, oh, and you can see here that they have had a cervical spine X-ray, and so we know the pain the patient is having in his neck is not due to any disc disease or any disc issues or bulging disc, and I'm like, there is no way. You can tell that from an x-ray. There's just no way. X-rays look at bony tissues. Unless your, your disc of suddenly turned to bone, you cannot tell that from an x-ray. Your spinal cord is not viewable on x-ray. So whatever doctor was reviewing the material for medical accuracy is either not a doctor <laughs> or just not very good at certain things. I don't know. Um, but 
the claim that cervical spine uh, x-rays can rule out disc problems is ridiculous. Any, you shouldn't be using the cervical spine x-ray. Anyway, that, <laughs> that was like, okay, obviously they're not as up-to-date. And again, they're like, oh, we're not, we're not judging you based off medical knowledge. Anyway, so I got a, like a 280 on that section, which was like two. It's all in increments of 10. So um, you don't get like a 283 or anything like that. You get 280, 290, 300. So uh, two sets below the passing mark, <laughs> essentially. Um, and of course, this is December. Um, we are looking at obviously matches. You know, our rank order list has to be in by March 1st. And at the same time as that has to be in, I have to be ECFMG certified by March 1st or before so that when the rank order list gets submitted, I'm certified and therefore I can be in the match. The computer will not put me into the match process if I do not have an ECFMG certified thing. So you can tell why I haven't talked about this uh, (laughs) because um, December 20th rolls around, I see that less than passing's mark and I'm now freaking out. Am I going to miss the match because of an English proficiency test? Uh, you know, I went to medical school. I did my undergrad. I did plenty of writing assignments where I've done actually pretty well. And it's a little remarkable to me that, like, I would be, I could be possibly held up for match because of an English test. Um, Every, I mean, every IMG has to do it. I'm not saying I don't understand some of the purpose behind the English test because the purpose is that, you know, ECFMG doesn't just do U.S. IMGs. They also do non-U.S. IMGs. And some of, those people, some of the IMGs come from foreign countries that don't speak English. And English is the predominant language in the United States. So I get it. Most people you're going to encounter in the U.S. health system speak English, and it's important that if you're going to be a doctor, that you can actually speak English and be proficient in the medical English vocabulary. So I get it, but it's also it doesn't make it less frustrating for a native English speaker. Needless, <laughs> needless to say, he's he's still stewing, but. Um, <laughs> What we ended up doing was we paid for the remark, and then we were supposed to get it back within three to six weeks, but because we had not done that, we went ahead and did the reset so that um, we would for sure have a test score back. And then after the reset, suddenly we got our score, which was passing. So we... I get a remark... Yeah, after, after the, the after the reset. Yeah, that's what I said. So uh, I should we, you missed the part where they also canceled my exam. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I rescheduled it. So the whole thought process I had, and this is kind of also based off of some Reddit forums. The whole thought process I had is I have to get a passing score in order to sit for match. I had to have a passing score, you know, but by a certain date, obviously, in order to be ECFMG certified. So you can you can submit like ninety five dollars and ask for them to remark one section of your exam. You can ask for multiple and pay multiple, you know, amounts of ninety five dollars. Um, but I only need the one section, so you can ask for the remark and then wait for it to come back. 
And there is always that potential that, you know, the next reviewer agrees with the assessment and your score doesn't move. So the odd, you know, to me, like that was not a chance I was willing to take. I wasn't willing to sit and wait three to six weeks to get, wait for a result. And, you know, three to six weeks would put me into February. Well, there's probably no way I'm going to get, if I take a, you know, if I get my remark results in February or end of January and then turn around and try to reset the exam. A, there may not be any seats available for me to reset because they only offer them like twice a month (laughs) at these prometric centers. So there may not be an opportunity for me to reset the exam before I need to be ECFMG certified. And then even if there was, is there enough turnaround time for them to get me my score back? So those are the, the things... I didn't want to take a chance on it, so I opted to go ahead and reset the exam in the hopes that theoretically, you know, I paid the 450 to reset the exam. Yes, I know that's a lot of money and it's very frustrating. Uh, partly why I'm stewing, um, but part of my thought process was, well, if I can get my score results back before my remark results back before I reset the exam, I can cancel the exam. I can get some, retain some of my money back, and you know, not not a complete total loss. And initially there was, I think, a flood, like there's some flooding at one of the prometric centers. And so they canceled my exam like three days before. So I was supposed to see reset in early January, just about like just beyond the three weeks marked when I had submitted for the remark. So, okay, I had gone already three weeks, not gotten my remark score. And I, they had canceled the exam and then, you know, oh, oh darn, the next available one isn't, you know, three days out. We can't get you another one. You know, I can't, you can't go back to Tampa to do it. <laughs> like Tampa's not an option. Everyone's full, so you're gonna have to wait two more weeks to get the end of January, <laughs> which uh, nerve wracking again because like, oh gosh, now I, it's been three weeks for me to get my remark exam. How long is it gonna take for me to get my actual score on all four or five blocks? Uh, and so, and also the other side of it, it's like, oh well. Well, if I take it a couple more weeks later, then maybe I'll have my remark exam and I can get my money back. It takes me restarting the clock in my mind. Like, okay, well, makes me still nervous about the match, but whatever. So I reschedule it for end of January, sit the exam because it goes through. And I still don't hit my remark. I don't get my remark score. I sit the exam and um, week six week six rolls on. And I keep, I'm kind of touching base with the OET reps just to make sure everything's in order. At one point, one of the reps asked me if I even paid for the remark, which uh, made me a little unnerved because it's been six weeks. And why is, why is the representative asking me if I've paid for them to remark my exam? Shouldn't they just know that? Since I paid them <laughs> and they're like, well, no, we don't have access to the financial information, which, okay, whatever. Um, confirmed that I did pay, and they, they assured me that they were working on it. So week six rolls up. I don't get my I don't get my remark score. I don't get my my reset score. Which at that that point it's like one week out. I wasn't really expecting the reset score. And then I think week seven finally rolls on, and I get my remark exam, and I I'm bumped up. You know, I think it was like three twenty or something like that. Um, enough, good enough. Like a forty point jump, like. <laughs> 
again, not not exactly an objective test, but <laughs> forty point jump, and I'm not going to complain about a pass of the pass. And I immediately submitted for scores that would be sent to ECFMG because at that point, my remark shows me as passing the OET. I don't even care what the reset says. The ironic thing is, he got the reset like really soon like, after. Like three days later, I got my reset exam, which is kind of remarkable. Like the yeah. remark takes seven weeks. All four sections take two and a half. <laughs> like, okay, I don't know how that works, but <laughs> it's that's a little frustrating. Um, it does make you feel like it's a little bit of a scam to make sure they they get the 450 out of you because if they if they change your grade they uh, refund you the ninety five dollars you spent so I got my refund I you know I got my I still spent 450 on the reset um, plus the 450 for the first sit plus the Sixty dollars for the reschedule. We for just the don't st- want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I basically took another step exam. It felt like. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's a that's a lot of wow. Twenty minutes into this conversation, I've still only talked about OAT. Um, <laughs> He's a little bitter, but it's so, fine. <laughs> yeah. So and then there apparently, I don't know when this changed and. But I submitted, so I, I went in and I asked them to send the scores to ECFMG, and I thought that's all I had to do. And then a week or so later, ECFMG's pathways still hadn't certified me, and they still were showing as not receiving the OET results. So a little disconcerting. I get an email from them saying, we haven't gotten your OET results. Uh, have you done... You know, have you submitted for the uh, results to be sent to ECFMG? Yes, I did that. Then they said, oh, uh, fill out this officer. You need to fill out this form, which I talked to my classmates who've done the OAT. None of them had had to fill out this form. But apparently there's now a form where you just fill out your name, uh, date of birth, all, all your details, and then you add your ECFMG ID number to the form. And that submits it to OET, so that when OET will then resubmit your scores to ECFMG with your ECFMG ID, so they can somehow locate your scores faster. Uh, I don't know why any of this was a problem, because uh, the email address I registered with OET was the same email address I registered with ECFMG, uh, and because I read online that. That was also an issue for some people. If you did different emails, that could possibly cause an issue with verifying that the results were your results and not somebody else's. Anyway, uh, eventually they did get to Pathways, and Pathways did certify me. So three weeks out from the deadline, I am not... not, uh, Actually, sorry, we're two weeks out from the deadline. I am... ECFMG certified, I am pathway certified, it's showing up as verified on my uh, national match registry, <laughs> whatever. We have certified um, our rank list. We have certified our rank list, so we are we are in the match. <laughs> we are not going to miss the match with some silly thing like paperwork. <laughs> so. But yet again, if you could take OET early... Do it. Just get it out of the way. Oh. Then you might relieve yourself some added stress, right? Yeah, I mean, it was such a... And I, I had come into OET scheduling it, I think, like, I want to say September 
I thought I was like, oh, I need to schedule my OET in like September, and they were like, yeah, next available is December. So uh, towards the end of the season, the, the options are sparse, and you just don't want to have this sort of thing happen to you. Uh, I will say what everyone ha- everyone else says out there when you come when it comes to the writing section, really really obey the format even though in their FAQ sheet it says format doesn't matter as long as you can convey the information in a intelligible way that's what they review it's just not true um just and to be fair even my first one I did convey it in the similar very similar format but apparently the first whatever review first review they didn't see it that way um the whoever did the re remark did see it that way i don't know i can't tell you um but i can tell you that when i did the reset i followed it to a t and um also the character limit is um what's the word like compared to the the caribbean they're more like guidelines (laughs) (laughs) they're not hard and fast rules because i I think I was up to 300 characters, and I'm like, nope, that's, just, that's what I'm submitting. I'm not, I'm not cutting this down to 200 characters. I have adequate information. This isn't like a terribly long, wordy letter. This is perfectly concise. 300 characters, I don't care. Submit. Um, and I got a, like a 350 on it, so whatever. <laughs> I also got a 500 on like some of my other stuff too. So I was like, I killed it on certain <laughs> ones, even though I couldn't spell Gemsing. Gemsing. Gemsing? Okay, whatever. I couldn't spell it. Can't say it, can't spell it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anyways, so advice for this podcast <laughs> try and schedule OET early, take it, it early. It doesn't expire. Unless the Pathways stops requiring it, it doesn't expire. So take it whatever. Yeah. Um, The other piece of advice we have, since we have been doing our match list, our ranking order, is when you start doing your (laughs) interviews, which we... So, to be fair, Eric did take notes after interviews. However, the first few... He took notes maybe like a week or two after. I would really encourage you after you get off your yeah. Zoom call within that within the next few hours, write down your impressions and your notes, what you liked, what you Take disliked. Fifteen minutes, an hour, or whatever it is, to write down whatever you want. Yeah. So because we have been fortunate enough to get several second looks. And we had a couple programs that were within the same state and their interviews were within the same week or two. two. (laughs) And kind of conflated the two programs in many ways. Yes. So they were both good. I I, I definitely liked both of them walking away, but I I had forgotten certain, like, one was had a bit of an edge on the other, I think is what I mean to say. Like, they were both good. I would be happy to end up at both of them. But one, I think, had a bit of an edge over the other. And I've been thinking it's one way for this entire time, and it's apparently the other way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and, and thankfully, I mean, out of our 10 interviews, we've had six. We've been asked on six. 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 We, we weren't able to do one, which yes. you mentioned last week, because yes. of time conflicts. 
Yeah. So for us, that has been good because you get to kind of reiterate, okay, yes, this is the program that I thought it was. Yes, this, these things. And then as well, you kind of get to talk to more residents and get a little mm-hmm. bit more open and honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of these second looks are better than others. So, and then of course, other some of them are just tours of the program and not second look. So, uh, to be fair to some, like, like the one up north was yes was a tour, not a not a second look. So, we're call, we're kind of lumping tours and second look into the same category, um, calling it six you know six out of ten. Okay, five, five, <laughs> out, five out of ten. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. Either way, it's fine. Um, but. Like, not all of them are, are created equal, I would say. Like, um, the ones that have been unabashedly second looks, like, have been pretty good, uh, in my opinion. Like, they, I feel like they they took adequate time to talk to you, spent, spent time answering your questions, giving you a good look at things, uh, trying to be as candid as they can. Um, and to some degree, like, there's a bit of a sliding scale of, like, how hard I think recruitment wise, like how hard they were recruited. I'm not saying me specifically because uh, most of these second looks I've gone to, there have been numerous other great applicants there. So I, I wouldn't even wager that I, I was their primary focus in any any means. Um, but there, just the fact that they you know they would spend time and money to you know, cater to lunch or put you up in a hotel or um, you know, buy your lunch or anything like that. It tells you, like, to me, it told, told me that they were putting some effort into the recruitment. And some, I think, did a really good job of kind of dispelling some, like, what what Zoom can sometimes neglect. I think one interview I walked away from, and I was like, man, I, I thought I asked the residents some pretty softball questions to see if they would at least, I, I was trying to bait, that, bait residents with questions to talk about Bates probably not the right word but um, I was trying to push residents to talk about like their relationship with the other residents because I'm partly trying to figure out if they have a good team atmosphere I want but I don't really want to ask them that straight out like if you ask them straight out oh you guys are a great team do you get along with each other but, oh yeah we get along great like okay well you know I want it to be more of an organic thing so I, I had different ways of asking that and I felt like from the Zoom interview, I had asked the question, and they they kind of swung and missed at it. Like they they didn't they didn't talk about the fellow residents. Like I think it was like what, what things you like best um, compared to other things. What do you think? Uh, anyway, they they completely neglected uh, in most of my conversations to talk at all about how they got along with each other because I think sometimes. You don't have to always get along with your coworkers, and that's uh, that's a thing. But if you do get along with them, if there's like a lot of good team camaraderie, that can go a long ways to the residents being uh, in I don't know happy. <laughs> and well, you know, and there there are programs that that pimp you and that kind of can be more competitive amongst the residents. I would think. I'm, I'm not yeah, saying like there, it the there correct could be, way. Yeah, there can be more malignant programs where there the, it's uh, it's it's all competition. You want to look the best, and so that means you want to look the best if you pushed the other people down. 
if you know maybe you're not building yourself up as much as you are tearing the other ones down so there are programs that are kind of like that i don't know you know honestly i haven't interviewed at any that i could say um with any certainty I, none of the programs i interviewed at did i get the sense that they were malignant but like this particular case i just felt like i walked away with like the residents seemed relatively ambivalent towards each other, the team. Maybe they didn't work together as a team very much, or I'm not, I couldn't really tell walking away from the interview. But from the second look, there are things that happen that are organic, that there's no way that the program could rehearse <laughs> you know, with the residents. Hey, we're going to have... Uh, four-year medical students rolling through for a second look. We need you guys to put on a show. Like, there was no way that they could have rehearsed what they did. Like, we were doing uh, an education day, uh, like an afternoon didactics, and they were having, it was game day that we just happened to land on game day. Whether that's by design or not, I don't know. But the way they interacted in a somewhat competitive manner, like they all, it was basically pictionary, um, um, with medical terms, the way they interacted, you know, competitively making fun of each other, but not like no one taking overly offense to it, everyone having a pretty good time, like all the jokes that were flying around, it was pretty obviously got along well with each other. Like, you can't make that up. <laughs> you can try, but I'm pretty sure, like, in a room of 20 plus people, you're not going to have 20 great actors you know um so the second look did do good in that regard like it gave, gave me a little bit more confidence that if i did end up at this program i would be i, I would be okay with it um and uh sometimes you get at those glimpses of certain residents and you're like who ooh, ooh, i don't know if that's like you you wonder at the sometimes you wonder at the program like knew that that was going to be the result you know like when a, a certain resident jumps on and uh and they're just not as uh well polished <laughs> or they're they're not selling the program the way that the program would probably want them to sell it and you do wonder like if the program knew that this person was like that and they put them on anyway or if this person is just like I'm on my way out because I'm a third year so whatever <laughs> and the program's just like oh my gosh I, how embarrassing um, <laughs> I've had I had a second look where that was like oh that's interesting I don't know why why he would be like that <laughs> um, go ahead you yeah oh well, I was just I was gonna move on another another thing that I would along the same lines is we have followed, we, I have followed a lot of the programs that we have applied uh, to on uh, Instagram. And it is interesting to see what the programs post and what they prioritize. So as much as they look at you and probably your social media accounts, if you, if you're getting ranked in the top, however many, um, they're probably looking at that. They're probably looking at I'm curious. I, I don't do Instagram, and you can, and I actually haven't never asked you this, but can you tell like if the Instagram is run by an admin person or a student? Uh, I can't tell. I feel like most of them are run by an administrator. Administ- 
Yeah, like program <laughs> coordinator or somebody. Yeah. And you have the ones that, I mean, typical posts of an educational hospital that have, like, different learning things or... Mm-hmm. pictures of gradu- graduates or their classes and whatnot. But then you have those programs that are like, hey, we had a baby shower or hey, we had like... <laughs> chili contest. We did a chili contest because it snowed. A cookie exchange. And so you have, you can kind of get a feel for programs and maybe a little bit of what they prioritize based off of their social media. So just as much as they're looking at you, you should kind of take a look at them. This is just a theoretical, um, Mm -hmm. not theoretical, but (laughs) the program we drove to. Yep. Do you you follow them on Instagram? No. No, okay. And then the one I just went to yesterday. Yes. They don't post much. Oh, because that one is by the uh, by a resident. The other one we drove to is by the coordinator. Oh, I only know that because the coordinator was taking pictures, and she she had mentioned that she might put it on the. Oh, because I didn't find their Instagram on their website. I'll look around and see if I can find it. Like I, I I thought I might have written it down somewhere, and I honestly like when I write these things out, I intend to send them to you <laughs> because I don't have an Instagram and you do so. <laughs> My communication could be better in this situation, um, but again, Instagram is not exactly a priority for me. I'm I'm neither photogenic, and I've been told I don't have time for Instagram. So, well, <laughs> you don't have time for other things too that may unceremoniously be deleted from your phone. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. <laughs> Periodically, I'll get really into a game, and Karen has to delete it off my phone. Or no, I, typically I delete De- you it. You delete it. Yeah. I just question the time that you're spending on it, and then you get the not so subtle hint. I've heard you overtly. <laughs> right between the lines, I've heard you overtly. Uh, any, anywho, guess the movie quote. Uh, yeah. Anyways. No. Um, <laughs> Shout out to anyone who can guess that movie quote. <laughs> on uh, Instagram, MD. <laughs> anyway, um, our last little bit of subject is Eric is finally on his last rotation. Yay! Yay we're studying, uh, we start. This is second, we're in our first week of the four weeks of emergency med, but I haven't actually started in the evening <laughs> officially. Uh, I did go in. Uh, no, it wasn't yesterday. Two days ago. Two days ago. Um, uh, I mentioned there was a student who is exceptional. He wants to go into ED. He's in the match for ED. He's going to crush it because I think he had like probably like 25 interviews in ED. Uh, anyway, he offered, he had offered at one point, knowing that we had overlapping um, ED rotation that oh you know he would give me some pointers and I was really nervous that he was going to make me look bad I mean not he's not going to do anything on purpose I'm just going to look bad in comparison which is I think <laughs> going to be fair no matter what uh, but he had offered that uh, to uh, come in I think early or come in before one of his shifts or anything like that and give me some pointers and I just thought like you know I think he's on nights right now like like seven p.m. to like, I don't know, 3 a.m. or something like that, something really crazy. And it's like, I don't know if I was running that shift, I would want to, like, wake up, I don't know, at 7 or 8 and come into the ED or uh, come in 
at 6 p.m. Like, either way, like, none of that seemed like a, a really exciting thing to do if you're on that 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift or whatever whatever that shift is. Um, so I just offered to just come in after. We had a, a, a meeting of sorts with the clinical students on Monday, which is one of those topics that we're just not going to talk about today. And... <laughs> And uh, I decided that after the meeting, I would just go over to the ED and uh, get get some pointers from him while he was there. And so he, he was happy enough to take me on a tour of the ED uh, on you know Monday and show me everything that's where everything's at, how to get the computer set up the way you need it get set up, and how to be successful at this ED because a lot of students have had concerns about doing this particular rotation at this particular ED because. Um, a lot of times the, the mentality is is you get to do whatever you can see. Um, and if you sit and wait for the preceptor to or one of the attending ER physicians to go tell you to go see a certain patient and report back, you might be sitting there and not seeing any patients because they some attendings are better at other than others about uh, showing you the ropes and teaching. And so uh, this particular student was really good about like going, no, you look at the board and as soon as the patient's room is assigned to them, go see them because the, the doctor hasn't been assigned yet. And so you go see them. And then once you see the doctor has been assigned, then you go talk to the doctor and you present to the doctor. And that's how he would do everything. And he's like a much more competent person. Um, and obviously ED is what he wants to do. He's done an anesthesia rotation, so he knows how to do innovations. He knows how to do a whole host of things that like, it, I mean, it's really funny because I know this is a bit of a tangent, but like he, he can do innovations. And I was just on, um, a, I was doing a second look and they were talking about innovations being one of the procedures that they can teach you, but they really only wait and they, they only teach like second and third years how to do innovations who are really interested in doing it. And all I can think of is like, man, there's a fourth year medical student who's doing it. Like, under the supervision of a, a respiratory tech, but, like, he is doing the innovation as a fourth-year medical student, like, and he, he's probably pretty good at them. Like, so the fact that, like, certain programs I might end up at, I may not have the opportunity to do an innovation until I'm a second-year resident. Um, it's kind of interesting. I mean, not, not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there's reasons for programs to do that, I'm sure. Um, but that, I mean, that speaks also more, I think, more to this particular student's <laughs> skill set that he has acquired over the years. Um, but anyway, he, he was showing me the ropes, showed me maybe how to be successful in this rotation. If, you, if I wanted to get anything out of it, you know, how to approach it. Um, and I really do want to get something out of it. Um, I may, depending on which residency I go to, have an ED rotation as one of my electives. I don't know. Um, every program has a slightly different flavor for how they, they put together your intern year or second year or whatever. But I, this, might, this might be the last time I'm ever in an ED. So, like, I might, and this is the first time I've ever been in an ED in a medical student capacity. So it might be a good idea to learn as much as I can. Uh, in the ED, and it does teach medicine and concepts that would be helpful on the on the wards. Uh, maybe an ED is generally more concerned about what's going to kill you now and ruling that in or out, 
and dealing with it, stabilizing and then getting the patient up to the floor. So whereas on the floor, you have to then reassess and see what's trying to diagnose what the issue is and, and get them stabilized so they can go home. So a little bit of a different flavor, but there's some definitely some overlap, I think, between the two. And um, it doesn't hurt to think a little bit, think a little bit like an ED doc and get some of the, the more crazier diagnoses that the ones, the things that could kill your patient, rule them, you know, how, know how to build that differential list in your mind and then how to build a list of how to rule them in and out in your mind so that um, if you're a private practice or if I'm on the wards and something comes up that I can, that's another, it's another thing I can have in my back pocket I could hopefully use. So I really do want to get a lot out of this rotation. So I was really thankful that he took some time to do that and teach me because um, again it's <laughs> oftentimes I I ask people before a rotation like how do I prepare for it and I I generally just hear you'll be fine don't worry about it like he's really these are really cool preceptors and you'll be fine you'll be fine and at the end of the day it's just like if I could just have a little bit of what I you know had on Monday night like, I don't need a cheat code for like how to be best friends with all the attendings. I don't need, I'm not going to change my personality necessarily, how to talk to certain people. I just maybe avoid, if I know to avoid certain topics, I'll do that. Um, but if I could be, a, if I could um, know how to hit the ground running on day one and how the flow of things is, I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to get a whole lot more out of the rotation than if I had to spend the first three days figuring out how everything works and then by week four, realizing that I should have been doing something different from day one. So anyway, that's essentially all of that. All, all that is about the upcoming rotation. I haven't even done it, but nope. I start tomorrow at nine. Uh, but he is going to have a rotating schedule, uh, days, swings, yeah, like nine graveyards to, and nine nights. to six or so. so. Um, we may switch up the day that the podcasts are aired, depending on his schedule. I have, I have it printed. I haven't actually looked to mm -hmm. see what days and when, but we will most definitely keep you up to date on Instagram. Feel free to follow us, MedFamilyMD, and shoot us any questions that you may have or you want us to address on the show. Um, you can listen to us on pretty much any platform. Um, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify. Yep. So have a good night, you guys. Thanks. Bye.